You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined with Patience, Bert and Andreas. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's just work the way around the room with some introductions. Patience, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Hi, I'm Patience Allen. I'm based in Norway. I'm a manager at Telia. And uh, yeah, I forgot what else you wanted me to say. (laughs) (laughs) And what, what are you passionate about? Oh, that's right. Um, I'm passionate about people, just making sure people can get motivated and get the support they need to do what they want, whether it's at the office or outside the office, you know, connecting people. Yeah, just people in general. I think they're fascinating and very complex. So, Lovely. That's a great answer. Um, Andreas, would you like to go next? Yes. Um, I'm working at Scania and background engineer as a development manager at Scania and yes yeah, so I live in uh, Stockholm, Södermalm and uh, so Scania we have it's a little a small town outside Stockholm actually so going back and forth there now slowly again <laughs> after the pandemic uh, yeah, I enjoy also working cross-functional with people. I engage with Estonia, with IT and uh, engineering and research and development and uh, the markets, working close with the business and um, a little of my background. Yeah. Perfect. And Bert? Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Bert. Um, I'm an engineer manager at Spotify and um, been doing the engineering manager side of things for a while now. Uh, not at Spotify, but um, enjoying it. And um, yeah, I'm passionate about when it comes to the professional side to enable people, I would think. Um, that's a good description. And uh, on a personal level, I'm very passionate about uh, family time and uh, yeah, my children. I mean, I think that fits very well in this uh, this topic today as well. Perfect. So now we've established a bit of context on each of you. Let's focus more on the topic. So you've all prepared a question or a statement on how to operate an effective work-life balance. As usual, we'll work around the room asking you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity opportunity to give your take on the situation and um, let's start with Bert would you like to tell us your question yeah just uh, one second uh, maybe you can uh, you can move to no I got it sorry I was not <laughs> completely prepared like I said I crashed my laptop I don't have everything in front of me. Um, so I would like to to uh, talk a little bit about how time is, is limited and how to, to balance uh, work and life um, with deliverables and expectations from within the organization, right? I mean, we all go through periods where there are uh, well, deadlines or whatever we want to call them. And there's a lot of pressure on, on the delivery where uh, it might just be that you just come out of a period like that, or you have a limited amount of people available to, to do the things that, that you uh, that you need to do, um, and sacrifices kind of need to be made, um, but that's not always fair, right? I think that uh, um, for me, leading a team of engineers, I'm, I've always had the, the motto that a happy engineer is a productive engineer, and how do you keep someone happy is by um, well listening to what they find important in their in their life, right? Not just just to do their work, but just in their life and and enabling them as much as you can to uh, uh, to follow that. So it's not really a question, more of a statement, perhaps, uh, uh, from my end. I am a bit curious how um, how you're dealing with that within within your organization, within your teams. Uh, who would like to to take that? 
Well, I think it's a really um, important thing to think about, and people always seem to think they can do much more within the limited time that they have. And they criticize themselves for not achieving that unrealistic goal that they have set for themselves or unrealistic expectation. And so I think a lot of uh, you know, time management and, and sort of dealing with that is being willing to say no, which is, can be really scary, and being willing to say, I'm not going to be able to complete that, not because I don't know how, but because I just don't have the time to do everything. And that's, I think, a really big challenge, not only in the workforce, but also in the home life. You know, sometimes you have to sacrifice things at work, and sometimes you have to sacrifice things at home. And and just sort of coming down to the, you know, from that to-do list of 25 to what are the top two to three things that if I get that done today, I'll consider my day a success. Like, and if you get five or 10 done, awesome, even better. But like, just lower that barrier, you know, bring that down to, you know, achieving one or two things and seeing if you can do that within the time allotted and everything else just has to wait, you know, and that's ultimately okay. Uh, might not feel like it, but, you know, something's got to give. It's better to do a couple things quality and really enjoy them than a whole bunch of things really bad, poorly and badly. We have to redo them again anyway. So it's kind of my take on it, but. <laughs> Andreas? Yeah, I think it, I think, I mean, speaking for myself, but I've heard also others that feel a little bit more um, uh, effective actually working from home nowadays. Um, and I got that um, confirmed now, actually, when I'm totally going back to office, that um, time feels shortened when you have people around you chatting and having coffees, and which is also, of course, a nice and important thing. But uh, I think if you only look at deliveries, and maybe working from home has not been so bad for the teams and company in home. And certainly on a personal level, you're able to do your laundry while you're doing your, your work and, you know, you feel mm -hmm. twice as effective because you're multitasking. Yes. I can also feel like double, <laughs> like a double success in some way, managing the private life and the, and the job as well. Yeah. So, yeah. How well, you do you have a good point? Uh, sorry, Gemma, did you? Sorry, no, carry on, carry on. All right. Now, you bring up a good point, I think, when, when it comes to the, the working from home uh, side, side of it. Um, when, I, when I just speak for myself and in, since March last year, um, the, you know, your, your, your day to day planning, just what you can do, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's, yeah, that's so, so much. Um, Positivity when it comes to my my work life balance. Uh, I mean, I became a father for the second time within this period as well, and and just being able to be home for that um, is is absolutely brilliant. And I was able to uh, combine that with any kind of deliveries that uh, that are on the table, right? So um, that's definitely beneficial. I mean, when I feel, feel like it, in the in the scope of of like a team, though, um, because. You know, I have, I have to lead other people, I have to make sure that they are uh, also able to, you know, uh, basically close the close of the day and, and are happy with what they accomplished and don't feel the pressure. Um, I, I have to admit that I sometimes struggle a bit with that, also from, from my point, because if I uh, have a bunch of engineers doing, uh, you know, a lot of coding and it's, and it's crunch time, um, I may not be able to directly uh, participate in that, right? So um, while they are crunching away, I don't really have to, and that 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 makes me feel guilty. I find that I find that tricky um, to to deal with. Um, is that something you experience? Yeah, I've also been um, uh, thinking a little bit regarding how to to catch up deliveries and. And stuff like that. But 
we work um, agile and scrumming. So we have our daily meetings digitally and checking in on everyone's tasks during during uh, during the week and, and actually having our tasks in the in the scrum. So I think actually it hasn't been worse in any way regarding deliveries, as I mentioned earlier. And only team spirit might have been then the issue. Uh, allow yourself to chat a little bit in private and just yeah have, have call, calls uh, like casual also. I've noticed this also important. Yeah, I think um, sort of the idea that you feel guilty if you're not busy and you're not able to help out, I think is one of those really uh, common things that a lot of people feel. And part of it, I think, leads into their people's concept of what it is, what you need to do in life to be a valuable person, to be valued, to be worth the salary you're being paid, to be worth the love or the attention you're getting from others. Um, and I think you need to sort of step back from that a bit and teach others around you to step back about it and just say straight off the board, everybody is worthy just because they are, period. You don't need to do something to be valuable or to be worthy. And everybody's got different roles and different skills and different strengths. And it would be wrong of us all to be doing the same thing at the same time. But, you know, there's going to be down periods for some people and busy periods for other people. And those may not coincide at the same time. But I think it's a lot of it's about being transparent with who you are and what you think you can bring to this activity, project, task, whatever it is, and how you can help. And also being very transparent and open about how long you think something will actually take. Because from my experience with many developers in several different companies over many years, people suck at estimating. They really do. They're just terrible at it. Fair. But, you know, then you need to just practice. And as a manager, I tend to just sort of tack on a bunch of extra buffer because I know I'm like, oh, you're telling me now that's just you're there's no way. But if you if you're right and you hit that that timeline that you're telling me, awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to complain, but I'm not going to expect it. And so. I try to convey that to my teams as well and say, look, you know, I want us to work at a reasonable pace and I want to know what is realistic, what is reasonable. I need you to tell me what you think is. No, don't tell me what you think I want to hear because you think we need to get this out fast. You know, tell me what you think it's going to really take because then I as a manager can either bring in extra people to support and help out and code so that we can have more people doing the work. Or, you know, I can advise the stakeholders or the commercial people that, oh, this is going to take a little bit longer and they can readjust their plans. Or, you know, we can come up with a solution. The world is not going to stop if things aren't done by this insane, crazy deadline. Maybe we'll lose some money. Maybe we'll earn some money. It'll be different in different scenarios, but I think we have to talk about realistic expectations rather than imagined expectations, which I think most of us set on ourselves. We put these unrealistic, I, I assume this person wants this of me by this time rather than just asking. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's my little rant on that. Uh, it's definitely a philosophy that I also follow, uh, like you know, the overpromising because uh, uh, then you then you always uh, are underpromising and overdelivering. I mean, basically, just uh, you know, stretch stretch the, the deadlines. If if 
yeah, the estimate from the team is like, okay, this is going to take two weeks of development time for two people or whatever. Then it's like, okay, that's that's three weeks. Uh, so we just have that buffer. Uh, if we have that room, of course, and then also have a little bit of room to negotiate because there might always be a bit of pushback, right? So um, yeah, I definitely followed that that kind of philosophy. I think that would that is healthier for uh, for for me, right? Because then uh, you keep the pressure off a little bit from uh, from the team, um, and that's exactly what I intend to do, right? As the manager, just to be that yeah, that stopgap in the door, basically. Exactly, bring up all the problems, obstacles for us to remove, right? <laughs> Don't tell what we want to hear, just to be happy. How do you deal with it if someone is telling you what you want to hear? So I know I'm very bad at doing this. In my head, I can do 10,000 things at once, and in reality, I can't. But what, how do you deal with it if like, you've got a project in one part of your team saying we can do this in two weeks, and the other half saying we can do it in two months? How do you negotiate that between the two to make sure you know they are working the effectively and they're not just doing what I do and working too much. Do you mean to say that uh, you have the same people working on two different different things with different timelines or? And so how can you see so your 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 um your like back end developers are saying it's gonna take them two months to do this thing and then your front end developers are saying no we can get the full thing finished in two weeks. Nah, I'm not good at text. I'm hoping that's a like accurate development. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it happens, I think. Uh, yeah, usually I, I would. Yeah, two weeks development on the on the front end is so it's very optimistic in the, in my experience. But um, yeah, I would I would think that that is that is mostly a bit of, of a project management kind of thing, right? I mean, uh, in in my team we are. Um, we're not having the full stack kind of uh, kind of experience uh, as backend engineers, uh, so that makes it a bit bit more simple because then uh, we just deal with kind of external stakeholders when it comes to these kind of uh, you know settings, and then you definitely have the uh, the support from uh, from product or from from project managers. That's um, yeah, that's that's their role, right? Um, but in my previous experience, to have that kind of thing happening within a team, um, when I was leading a full stack team, that's more of a priority kind of thing. I mean, what 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 needs the most attention at that moment? And I would say that you know, if you have a, a two month cycle for the back end and a two week for for the front end, then it's pretty obvious where where you need to put your uh, your people on. Yeah, it's a prioritization, I would say, also. Yeah, and I think it's a bit of communication as well, because if your folks are so out of sync that your front end people think it's going to take two weeks and your back end are like, no way, it's going to take two months. Well, they need to sit down around the table and have a little conversation about really yes. what needs to be built, because I think there's uh, some folks thinking overly complex and maybe some others just totally forgetting things that need to be added in and included in that. So that's that type of thing I think is awesome because I think, whoo, great reason for a conversation. Let's sit down mm -hmm. and have a chat. A lot of conversation to, to manage the prioritization, yeah. Yeah. Is that best done digitally or real life? <laughs> Either. I mean, from my point of view, I don't think it really matters. I've got people in different countries, so in-person isn't always an option. But I think as long as you really build up that personal connection amongst the team members, you know, having an online meeting isn't really a problem. Um, but if you don't have that connection, then you need to do something to build that up, I think. Yeah. Or it helps if you do, you know. Perfect. I think you know we've covered quite a good ground on that. Um, but do you have any last points before we move on to a different question? Uh, 
no, not directly. Um, interesting takes. Really enjoy yeah. that. Thanks. Lovely. Um, Andrea, should we move on to your question? Yeah, um, regarding work-life balance. And I'm curious about a little bit to hear what your ex uh, experience are regarding, uh, again, uh, delivering deliveries. Have you, like, changed the way how to measure uh, deliveries or uh, has uh, what has been left, what's been, what's new? Basically, my question there. Be like, look back. What what did I do before to measure developers? And like I, I mentioned that we are like you are, of course, also I guess Scrum doing the Scrum methodology. Maybe you have some support in measuring, but that's not the whole picture, I guess. People management. Yes. Mm. Um, I think there's there's a couple of different ways. Um, in Telia, we use the safe scaled agile framework for enterprises. Um, and then within the teams, we use Scrum or Kanban, depending on sort of what the team prefers. Um, so there's a bit of a mix in there. But I think ultimately, uh, a lot of the measurements in tele are done based on the tickets. So people make tickets in Jira or Atlassian, which is the tool we use, um, that says, I'm going to create this feature, or I'm going to create an alert, or I'm going to do this task, whatever it is, however they've defined it. And it's a task that they've defined that they can do within two to three days. So not a really huge thing, just a little tiny part of a thing. And they work on that and they try to get multiple tasks done throughout a two week sprint. Um, but if they have problems, then other people pitch in. And that's one way of measuring the amount of work that get done. But that's not really of any value to the commercial teams, or the stakeholders. And so um, what is really more important is sort of the business outcome. So what is what can you know the commercial teams do? with what the developers built or are building or are planning to build. Like how many of these different tasks do we need to sort of bundle up into a package that delivers an actual business outcome where they can either see, see um, individuals across brands or they can provide a new service to a client or they can uh, give more insight, analytics insight to one of the business to business customers or whatever it may be. What is it that would be a value that can actually bring in money? And there's going to be a lot of little tiny tasks that have to add up to create that. And that's what we're sort of working towards. And so it's not about lots of different deadlines. It's, it's more the sort of the marathon focus of sort of what are we trying to achieve in, say, the next three months or in this, you know, longer time period? And which tasks do we need to sort of try to focus on to get there? And it may take a shorter amount of time or a longer amount of time, but roughly, you know, how long do we think it'll take and how long, how do we get there? And so that's more what we're measuring people on. Are they mm -hmm. working in a steady, efficient manner? in alignment with what we're trying to achieve. Um, and that's kind so it's of not so much micromanagement, more macromanagement. Yeah, very much macromanagement because, you know, I, I personally don't have a tech background, so I'm not fussing with the how they do it. I trust that they know how to do it. I hired good people because they have the skills they have, so I'm going to let them do their stuff. But I want to just make sure we're all moving in the same direction at all times. And that's that's really what is the main focus and the measurement. And are they motivated? Are they happy? Are they helping the other people in the team when they need help? You know, sort of more of the quality uh, of the teamwork as well as the quantity of the amount of work that get done towards the end goal. Mm -hmm. 
So, but Bert has some opinions. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, I, I definitely resonate there with uh, what, you, what you mentioned about the quality aspect there, right? Uh, from, you know, the, the kind of the soft scales, et cetera, that, that, that people have, and they are very difficult to measure with you know, anything really, uh, other than just your, your feeling about it in, in conversations. Because I, I have a hard time um, putting people in boxes too, too hard by, you know, just looking at statistics. I mean, sure, I can pull some some numbers on the amount of pull requests that, uh, that they have and um, you know the contributions uh, that said I mean in, in, in my team we're not working very strict on Kanban and Scrum uh, so we're following the methodology but not really with you know the, the sprints and story points etc so those kind of um, you know did you get your work done in the in, in the time that you said you would uh, kind of statistics are not uh, not necessarily there but I keep a close close well, uh, yeah, close contact with, with the engineers in the team, like, you know, with regular one-on-ones just to see, like, how, how do they feel? How do they um, feel about their their future, their future goals? Are they, you know, moving towards that? Are we, are we missing something? Do we need some alignment there? Um, and I kind of put that against the the output of, of the team as a whole, because that is, you know, what what we have promised to deliver. Is, is not you know does one person promise something or, or these two it's just like we as, as, a, as a whole have promised to deliver this at that time and uh, it's like was did we succeed or not and of course i'm going to make a bit of a balance there like okay what was the contribution of the individuals within the team and see if we you know if i need to shift some uh, yeah like like task around or something or or uh, challenge people more in other areas i mean that yeah so, so in that sense, to answer your, your original question, like how, how do you measure? I haven't really changed that a lot um, since the pandemic, because I think that, that you're mostly aiming at that, right? The, the working from home versus the office kind of, uh, kind of feel. And for me, I haven't changed it a lot. The only, the only thing that I can say there is that I have a harder time uh, seeing the teamwork happening. Right. I mean, I am just sitting in my own office in my home and I don't cannot just look around and see what's going on and, and see how people re, uh, interact with each other. So I have to get that yeah, in, in a different way. Um, I think I do now, but there was definitely something to to adjust uh, during. Yeah. Yeah, interesting to hear. What about you, Andreas? Do you feel like your methods have changed because of COVID? Um, yeah, I think both yes and no. It's been a bit more challenging not seeing each other in live, I think. So I think I heard that from you. I could pick, pick that up from you as well. But uh, like Bert said, not so much actually has changed. And uh, on the opposite, actually, I would say the work-life balance is better because if you are efficient here in the office, one hour, two hours, then actually you have you might need some kind of pause or something, but then you you can't do some private things because you're here. You then know, you force yourself maybe to take a coffee with someone, which is also like I mentioned earlier, good and important. But working from home, I would say is actually then great way of, of taking those pause and do something pri uh, private and then go back to work. So, yeah. I mean, how, how we measure the viewers, I, I agree totally that it must be a macro management thing long term and not on a daily basis checking on each everyone rather, rather than on daily basis help out like do you need some help today or stuff like that. I, I think the challenge there is though that uh, you know on a yearly basis, of course, you have the uh, uh, you make you make some sort of snapshot, right, of of how people have performed over a year, and that that will uh, go into you know promotions and and cetera, reviews, etc. And and there you do need need some sort of a framework. Um, 
So how we, we solve it is, uh, yeah, basically within the, within the engineering managers team as well, themselves, right? So we just discuss together, we benchmark the people and, you know, we, we give our arguments. Um, so also there, it's, it's very macro. There is no, there is no sheet just saying like, okay, this, this person did, you know, 150 uh, uh, commits last month. It doesn't matter. It, it, I mean, I mean, it matters to, to, to a degree, but someone can be, you know, performing really low with that many, that, those kind of numbers. Uh, whereas uh, you know, someone who's doing very well. Um, so it comes the, down to engagement and nothing yeah, else. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are so many ways to, for, for anyone to show, um, you know, their, their value, um, I would think. And, and that makes it difficult to measure, but I think that's that's the right kind of kind of challenge that you should should take upon yourself as a manager. Lovely. Well, Andreas, does that answer everything? Any last points? No, very interesting answers. Yeah, interesting to hear. Perfect. And then last but not least, um, patience. Would you like to explain your question? Sure, it's um, it's kind of a sub topic of work-life balance. Um, and this comes from the fact that I'm an American, but I'm now living in Norway, and those two cultures are vastly different from each other, incredibly different. Um, and so experiences I've had in the US I've seen here as well, which surprised me when it came to work-life balance, because Norway promotes itself as this land, this Nirvana-like land of work-life balance where everybody, you know, works really reasonable and the life outside of the office is super important, and it is. But in the U.S., it's kind of the opposite. In the U.S., you know, your your identity comes a lot from what title you have, where, what company you work for, what you do for your job, how important you are in the company, and how important you are in the company comes from how busy you are. So, you know, in my earlier years when I lived in the U.S., I worked 90 hours a week, literally, for five straight years in my first job. And that wasn't, I mean, it was slightly crazy, but it wasn't like, I was super unusual. And of course, this led to burnout. And, you know, the signs for burnout for me were not mental burnout at all. It was physical shooting pains in my arms and like very physical uh, things where my my doctor eventually said, you know what, uh, you, you, you need to quit your job. There's no medical reason why you are having these health issues. You need to quit your job. This is where it's coming from. And that was a really big wake up call for me at a very young age. You know, I was like, what, 26 when I hit that? And I had to rethink things. And when I came here to Norway in my 30s, you know, it was a, it was a very different type of culture. But I've since met people who have also met with burnout and have been struggling with that here as well and that was something i didn't expect a lot of this came from the self-defining that our worth only comes from what we do and what company we work for and i think we just need to step back and change our mindset there and you know do simple things like move away from when you meet somebody asking them, what do you do to, you know, what do you love doing instead from, you know, where do you work to what do you like doing or what, you know, will you be doing tomorrow or, you know, who, who do you want to hang out with? I don't know, just other types of questions. And I think a lot of this pressure, unfortunately, comes from us ourselves. Uh, a desire to uh, perform, to deliver, to go up that career ladder, to pursue these goals of title and more money. And 
I'm constantly, you know, thinking about this and trying to think of how do we change that? How do we let people know it's okay and you're worth just as much, even if you have different titles? The architects are not gods. Developers are not the almighty, all-knowing pages. You know, managers are not superior. You know, we're just all doing different roles. And all those different roles are very valuable and they make the whole. Um, so I'd be very interested in hearing from you guys. That was a really long-winded intro. Um, what, you know, sort of how you guys help your teams and help the people around you, I guess, disassociate from the work to not self-identify with work. Or if you think that what I'm talking about is total crap, that's fine too, let me know. But, yeah, yeah I, I would love to, to jump on that. Um, th thanks for sharing, first of all. I think it's, uh, uh, it's very personal, right? Um, I can I can connect very well with that. I've I've went through for something similar, not in the same way, and definitely not from the same reasons either. And I didn't go as far as my doctor saying like uh, you should quit your job, even though that might have been the right thing to do. Um, I mean, in my in, in my case, it was mostly uh, my own ambition, more uh, more um, working in in a startup environment where there were a lot of opportunities, and but you needed to work hard for that, right? So. Uh, to 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 get there to to be able to be seen and and considered for those kind of positions and um, uh, I definitely went a little bit too hard. I can't really put my finger on on the moment when or where uh, doesn't matter either. Uh, but that experience, um, I mean, it it took me a very long time to uh, to get over this because I did not, you know, uh, sit at home for a year or something. I kept on working. Uh, I kind of you know, stupidly thought like I can work my way through it, uh, literally. Uh, that was not really how I should have done it. Uh, so, so again, this this took several years to to um, get through. So, so now that I'm in a position where I can, um, you know, basically help people uh, to an extent, right? I can make sure that they do not get step into the same kind of uh, kind of situations as I did, and and I'm very wary of the of the signals, et cetera. And I'm not constantly asking people like, you know, how are you doing? How's your stress level and all that? But, but what I what I do is in my one-on-ones, I really make it about them, right? So um, if I have something to share, like, you know, or, or a question or we do a development talk or whatever, we do that outside of these one-on-one moments that we have. Um, and I've always been doing this just as a, uh, a way for, for anyone to have their time with me as, as the manager. And it can go, that, that can be very strictly professional. We can have this whole coaching session or whatever, if that is being instigated by them. But it can also just be like, okay, what, you know, what movies they watched just, just the other day and have that kind of finger on the pulse on, on how, they, how they feel, how they are, where, where they want to go, how fast they are going as well. And uh, there's been several moments when when you get to hear like, okay, this I'm, I'm going too fast, or you know, I feel very burdened and uh, um, it's not going very well. It might also have had to do with change of, of life situations, right? I mean, uh, your personal life will always shine through on, on your professional one. Um, so I don't know, I, I, I'm not really answering any questions here, but that, that's at least my, my, my take, like I'm very, aware of, of the signals, right, of, of what can lead up to something that can turn out to be a burnout. And, uh, and if needed, I can give people time off, right? It's just like, then don't work for, for this weekend, for a long weekend, right? Take, take, take that Monday or whatever. Um, it's a bit of an extreme case, perhaps, but uh, I feel that, you know, I should be empowered to do so. Um, yeah, and, and I just don't wish anyone whatever I went through, right? And and therefore I'm I'm having the power to do something about that uh, preventively. Um, yeah, I'm taking very serious. Um, Andreas, did, how how do you deal yeah. with that? 
I'm thinking about actually also what's been changing uh, in my career the, the recent years, like the transparency leadership and uh, taking down the barriers between uh, different uh, uh, yeah, titles or uh, if you are an IT architect, maybe you can also overlap for developer and, and vice versa and if you're good at managing maybe you should do that a lot of people around me don't like to manage so not everyone wants to be a manager right and so if we then it's easier to respect each other and and and, and, and also not see uh, this pride in just being an architecture be agile also to learn always new things and I think if you get this mindset that it's more floating like, like I mean at work and private and it's a transparency within the work and and with and and the private life and it feels like you have a better ground to stand on uh, yes instead of okay we don't need you as a developer i'm an architect i am most needed and we, we should see each other more like a big team or big family you know and that feeling I, i've become uh, more of uh, later years so it's going in a good direction i, I would say yeah and have a respect of course if i i feel we have that right now here at scania like uh, to, to to feel if people are like in balance right now have you slept well last week and stuff like that we ask those kind of questions and if not then like act directly go home and take a rest and come back when you feel ready yeah i've started in recent years to have a health first policy and that's uh, both mental and physical health so if you're feeling sick, like you have a cold or something, you know, don't work. I know you're working from home, but you know, take the time off. You're not gonna perform as well. You're just gonna have to redo your work later anyway. So you might as well just take off, get healthy, focus on your, you know, getting healthy and feeling better. And the same goes for mental stuff. Uh, you know, stress is a really big factor in a lot of companies and you know I've been in the startup world as well and some startups are really good at handling that others are you know it's a prestige thing they you know the more stressful it is the more exciting it is you know we were racing to be a unicorn kind of thing and really it's you know if you're thinking truly people first you're going to put health first and one of my former managers uh, said to me, you know, that his order was people, processes, and product. And that was the order of importance. And I thought that was a really great way of phrasing it. Um, because you don't have a product or a process if you don't have the people. You know, you're just going to have to rebuild everything all the time because people are going to be leaving and burning out and doing a bad job. And, you know, it's just going to be a mess. But if you have people in place, and they feel good and they got that work-life balance going on they feel like they're respected as individuals and they can you know take time off to do this important thing for their family and make up the hours or make up the task later if if that's needed then they're going to be giving more to the team and giving more to the product than you could ever even ask them for and they're going to do that out of their own internal motivation. Um, and so I think, you know, you know, that that policy or that way of thinking can, of course, be abused by somebody who just kind of, kind of wants to coast. But for the most part, you know, my assumption is people are good people. People mean to do well. People want to impress. They want to do a good job. You know, it makes them satisfied with their life. So. You know, I'm not going to really doubt people so much unless I have facts to do so. Um, but I think it's 
it's sort of harder to do that within a larger organization where maybe other parts of the organization work differently. Because the larger an organization is, the more many cultures and many environments you have. Whereas some teams do it this way, other teams do it that way. Whereas in a startup, it's smaller and you usually have one culture for the whole startup. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, how, have you guys encountered challenges when it comes to other areas or other parts of uh, larger organizations you've been in? Yeah, I have. I mean, I um, definitely got into the situation where um, I I was told um, that you know the way I was leading the the, the team. Um, uh, I did that at that time, but it was with someone else uh, together. But that 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 was significantly different from elsewhere in the organization, and. Uh, um, well, personally, I found it a bit odd because it's just like, okay, this this works. Obviously, uh, we had good results, etc. And um, yeah, I don't know. It just uh, it, it made me doubt myself a little bit. Like, am I doing the, the, the right thing? Is you know, am I supported by the organization by doing this, taking this approach? And uh, um, so I brought it up the by manager who uh, was aligned with that uh, on, on on my end. So. In the end, it all worked out, but it just surprised me a little bit. And um, but I think it's inherent to what you say, like to, to having a big organization. You will, depending a little bit on how it is organized. Uh, in this case, you were very self-organized, as in like you had you had end-to-end -end responsibilities for for uh, for everything, and that that kind of uh, worked through into the management and the leadership styles as well. So uh, maybe it's not so surprising. But I do believe that there should be more of a, a common culture about that. You know, at Spotify, we have a very strong um, mental health kind of uh, awareness um, that I'm very grateful for. I mean, there's there's a whole uh, group of people that, well, this is their daily job, just to uh, to ensure that that, that we are uh, you know doing well. Um, so so there, I do feel very supported in in the people-first approach uh, at all times. Andreas, what do you think? Mm, I I agree with what we say. I feel the same. That um, this, this, uh, this super way of managing. And I'm really happy that I work at the place where we have that. That's good. Um, just to ask you all a quick question, I know you've all been speaking for a while now and I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but do you think there's like a certain like personality trait that makes people burn out more so than other personalities? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's a little bit, unfortunately, personality thing. If you feel like you need to to deliver like and you don't have that bottom line that the, okay i've done done my thing for today feeling i think that's individual yeah yeah i, I agree there Andreas, and, and i would like to add there's the uh or maybe that is kind of the same is ambition in itself uh that, that can really work against you um and and also uh, being insecure because if you have a very much uh, a need an inner need to prove yourself uh, you might just you know have to or have the feeling that you that you need to uh, do more and more and more and and that also will definitely catch up at some point yeah. Yeah. it's important to give positive feedback to that people feel that they have actually delivered and they are I, doing absolutely that. i mean one of my my philosophies is basically that um uh, positive feedback is the only feedback that you should basically give. I mean, I do not want to walk away from constructive feedback, don't get me wrong. Um, but I do want to put a lot of emphasis on the on the stronger, uh, on, on the stronger points of someone. Someone, you know, take the points that they're good at and can be great at uh, more than saying, okay, you're doing a crappy job, because that no one gets happy from that. And you might just actually get triggered to 
you know, do something that you maybe not cut out to do, right? I mean, that's that's very possible. Um, yeah, and I guess you also give positive feedback in directions, not just yeah. to everything. Yeah. I mean, positive feedback can can also be constructive. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, one of the things that I've noticed in myself and in others who I know who have burnt out is sometimes it comes from comparing how they're doing versus others and that competitive spirit. That's not always the case. That's not always a personality trait, but um, that certainly does have a factor. And I think comparing yourself against others is often very damaging because all of us are just like these unique bundles of experiences and you know my background and where i am in life you know there's no way somebody else could have achieved it without going through the exact same thing that i have and you know they may get to the same job title level as i am but they came a totally different pathway and with totally different experiences and they're going to have a totally different future than me as well um so i think you know, doing that comparison with other people, even if you all have the same title, um, is what often leads us to overstretch to try to be something different than what we really are. And often I think that dissonance uh, helps to cause burnout and helps to uh, make work-life balance out of whack and our lives out of whack and our uh, self-perception out of whack unfortunately I agree I think there's certain people you know you can spot them and go oh I know I know what's coming <laughs> you can kind of predict it um but then you know you're not always right um so unless anyone's got anything else to add I think we'll leave it there for today so this has been the evolution exchange podcast I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all of you patients Andreas and Bert it's been absolutely great listening to your insights on this topic and listening to your opinions and what you've gone through it's been amazing thank you so much and thank you for listening